This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is security. Alert the staff. Miss Belmont is on the move. Oh, oh, my God. I am so sorry. I didn't see you there. My Valenyagi. Oh, no, not the Valenyagi. Welcome back to part two, Rom Criminals. Ooh. I hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving That's and that right. uh, all leftovers have been consumed by this point, I guess, because it's two been weeks. a bit. Yeah. It's been two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, don't eat those. If you still if you still got leftovers that have not been frozen, don't eat them. That's my tip. That's my tip. You know, I'm not a huge fan of like the turkey. Neither am I. I'm not. So my you know, least favorite part. You know what we made this year? Uh, hmm. We made a vegetarian. Uh, oh shit! Excuse my language. What is it called? You know, you know, it's like it's like freaking um, Gordon Ramsay's thing. It's beef Wellington, but it's like with mushrooms, and it it was Ooh. so stinking good. I'm like, I don't need, I don't need turkey. I could just eat that. That's amazing. I yeah. just yeah, it's so funny for me. It's just all about the sides yes. and the. And the stuffing is my favorite. Ooh. Ever since uh, marrying into the Simon family, oh, I yeah. never liked stuffing. And I think it's because, and no offense, mom, I, you're <laughs> and dad. You guys are amazing cooks and our Thanksgiving meals are always amazing. But the stuffing was never my jam. Right. And I think that's because a lot of times there would be like, I don't know, dried fruit, just like things in it. And the, the, Simon's, the, the Simon stuffing is, it's the best damn thing ever in the world it's like what's all different? it's all savory there's just it's just real simple mm. but i just i can't even explain it it's so good and i all i eat is stuffing for days and days and days did you know um i didn't try it but i think i might try it for the christmas holidays is i i'm obsessed with like all the cooking shows you know i can't help myself um but have I love- you watched the um la pita Pichun on HBO Max about the two lady chefs and their hubbies that bought Julia Child's old cottage um, and they do cooking school. Oh God, no! This is okay. Right well, up that's my, my alley, that's my rom. I'm <gasps> calling that my rom. Do for it. 
just speaking of cooking shows, I believe I hate that I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I think it's called La Pichoune, uh-huh. which translates to the peach in okay, French. Okay, and it's these two female chefs. Like one's like a Michelin star chef, and one of them's also a chef, but like a little. She got into it later in life, and I don't know that she was ever like a Michelin star chef, but she's a legit chef as well. And then uh, one of their husbands is like the handyman who's always fixing everything. Oh my God. And the other husband is like basically taking care of their baby daughter and they invite five to six people for cooking school for one week and every episode's like a different group of people. And their whole premise is you don't need a recipe. You don't need a recipe. Okay. You don't need to follow anything. You follow your instincts, and it's a metaphor for life. There is no recipe <sighs> for life. But you, you just combine the things that that you make you happy and taste good to you. Mm-hmm. Now it's not baking. I was you just know, obviously, say. it's um, not baking. But wait, baking what, what is channel? not cooking. HBO Max. Okay, I'm watching it. New episodes come out every HBO Max. You should be sponsoring. This I know episode. they should end uh, last week. <laughs> but it's uh, it's. It's just so delightful and it it's all it's the most feel good cooking show I've Yay! ever watched and my god you guys it it makes it makes produce like it's like pornographic Ooh, how yes. it is. like I literally was like I've never lusted after produce in this way before <laughs> I'm like that tomato. I'm gonna rub it all over my. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But it's a, uh, it's that's my rom. I uh, it was. It, I didn't plan on saying that, but I love this oh, I show. Love I can't it. believe I haven't told you about it. I know. My God, I'm just giddy with excitement. Um, I so what are you gonna it. try for Christmas? Oh, that well, you got okay, from so Ina Ina Gardner. I always oh yeah. Her. She's very. I, I she's awkward, but all of her. Because uh, she has a new she has a new series out where she like interviews people. It's very awkward, but I but I love her cooking. Oh wow! Stuff. Is yeah. Jeffrey there? He's around. He putzes around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She definitely has a, an interesting. I love her too, and she yeah. makes the most beautiful food. And there's something so genuine yes. about yes. her. But there is definitely an awkwardness. I there. just and she was also on um, the Today Show because I love to watch the t- Today Show. It reminds me of New York and whatever. And she's <laughs> just like. It's just something. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, instead of stuffing, she makes a bread pudding that Ooh. I'm sure is delicious. I mean, essentially stuffing is it's leaning it's, towards that anyways, like a savory bread yeah. pudding. So I'm going to look into that. Um, that sounds yum. Well, my rom is actually a cooking show, too, but not cooking. Avrin. it's what? I think we have to bring back rom crime cocktail time because I'm watching this show on Netflix called Drink Masters. Oh my god, everyone keeps telling well, me about this I show. Sti- I have to watch it. Well, I have I was to steering watch clear it. of it because I was like, you know what? This is it cannot be good. You know, I cannot watch people make drinks. It's like we did that. I mean, I did it for so much of my life. I'm like, right. Oh. I still do it. Yeah, and you still do. And and I I miss it actually. But our I mean, I love I love making drinks. But my husband's friend Mike. Is works in the industry as well and was like, trust me, this is a beautiful show. And I love it. It's great. It's super fun. It's creative and it's funny because in the first episode, there's this like influence, I the rage that I felt, but it all comes out okay. <laughs> but so all of them are hardcore, like worked in bars, own bars, are mixologists, like, you know, chefs of the of the liquid, uh, liquid design. Variety. Um, <laughs> but um, the one there's one chick on there who's like an Instagram. Um, you know, she takes pictures of her drinks and she's got like a million followers. And I'm just like, I don't know why it brings me such rage. I am feeling like 
I feel slightly rageful towards um, social media, and I'll just uh, I'll just call Fair. social media my crime. Actually, cr- I was to say it's Twitter is our crime. Oh of yeah. The week. Twitter is um, was already a dumpster fire, yes. and now it's like a dumpster five alarm blaze fire. I know like, what is happening. You, all, you uh, Elon Musk, uh, it may like, have fired everyone. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> but he like fired everyone and then sent a very weird email out about how like only people who are like all in and hardcore will keep their jobs. And it's like, but there's no parameter for what that means other than right. you have to work like 18 hours a day or something crazy. Stupid. And he let he let uh, the Cheeto back on. So um, gross. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Two years, no Cheeto. Been nice. Now Cheeto, Cheeto is back. Truthfully, Although think really... of all the people that can verify accounts, you know, mm-hmm. pretending. It's just, I don't know. It's just a mess. It's a mess. That's the crime of the... Well, not. I mean, it's not of this week, obviously, because we're recording this before it comes out. Yeah. It'll be a few weeks old crime. My crime is, I agree with you, my crime is that I am purging toys. Ooh. And, well, it's because it's, the crime is my child won't help me. But we have, you know, <laughs> our kids, my kids are getting older. And so I'm trying to get rid of some toys. And because we're still pre holiday pre-christmas i was like if we could like she there's she's got so many nice things i was like if we can get all the pieces together make it look really nice and then i'll just there's a thing on facebook called buy nothing and Mm -hmm. each like community has one i think and you can just like say you know hey first come first serve but i just i'd love to give these things away to some parents maybe who and and it make it like it could be a gift maybe yeah like make it like it could be somebody else's Christmas present so that's my goal but it is like pulling my darn children's teeth <laughs> to get them to, to help get... me so well just be like you know what you gotta do you just because I'm obviously <laughs> ask Avrin for parenting advice <laughs> Um, cause she has zero kids, but no, I was going to say what you do is you say, Hey, listen, you guys can help me and decide what you're willing to part with, or you cannot help me. And I get to pick what's going bye bye. And I, uh, too bad, too bad for you. If I pick something that meant a lot to you. Yeah, no, I think, you know, but it just be idea. like, you don't, you want to have a say in what we give away. Exactly. And the only way for you to do that is to participate and help me out. And Otherwise I'm, like, I'm getting rid of all of it. Exactly. I'm going to give it all away. And we have <laughs> so many dolls with no clothes and I'm like, find the clothes for we gotta put clothes on these Barbies right you're like we're not offering we don't want those kind of people showing up for our (laughs) free toys (laughs) people that are like naked dolls oh my gosh Oh my gosh. Well, are we ready to go? Because let's you guys, do it. So let's hit, do it. This this is definitely this is gonna be a little more in depth. There's a there's a lot because this is a part two. That's but we're true. gonna start with our second film. Exactly. If you listened last week uh to the end, you would have heard that we are doing Falling for Christmas on Netflix yes. with Lindsay Lohan. I didn't realize, Vaughn, I didn't realize that Lindsay Lohan signed like a three picture deal with Netflix. So we got more yeah. Lohanazons. A coming. Lohanna Sons. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is coming after like a decade long hiatus of not working. Well, probably because partly she had drug problems and partly right, because well, she had she, legal problems. Yeah. And she was, I think she would, she was having some issues, which was making it impossible for people to insure her to work on films. Really? So she just, uh, I think that was a big part of it. Yeah. You know, like you, if you don't show up on time yeah. or at all and you delay productions, like they, it just becomes too expensive, honestly to use you in the movie and so they were like sorry you're on sabbatical until uh, your premiums go down I don't know I don't know what it was yeah I'm glad to see her back she's on she's clean I think 
Um, and she's making Christmas rom-coms, guys. I mean. And here's the thing. It like I think critics didn't love it. They called it like um, formulaic and cliched. But that is what a Christmas rom-com is, my friend. Yeah. Like you, know? you just take a there's literally a calcul like a like there's a it's it's all planned out. Like exactly. watch the Hallmark Channel. Every movie's the same. They just change what big city the you know the girls coming from stuck up girl is from yeah. and the name of the Hansy the Hansy handsome uh, ranch hand the Hansy handsome ranch hand no and yes. I, I will say you know my husband and I were talking we watched it last night he was like what I don't he's like people freaking eat this shit up I'm like I know I am one of those people I eat it up yeah I was like if if their Christmas movie comes out I'm going to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. There have been bad ones. These, I think, this was fun. I liked it. I, yeah, I, mean, I love her. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. It's she. I thought it was great to see her back in a movie. I thought she did a great job. You know, within obviously, this is a very specific type of movie, as you mentioned, yeah. with all of the tropes and obvious, you know, things that are going to happen. But I totally. I was like, I'm feeling the chemistry between yes. not just the love interest, but like the whole fam. Yes. You know, like with the with the mother-in-law and the daughter. Yep. And I liked that the rich dad in this was not an asshole at all. I know. Okay, so my two favorite people. Well, let me just give you a little. So the plot is basically a spoiled hotel heiress, Sierra mm-hmm. Belmont. She, um, Her dad's trying to give her a job. So she's been uh, given the job vice president, VP of atmosphere at her father's huge Aspen resort, but I'm pretty sure they also, they um, shot it in, um, it looks like uh, Park City actually, because I was just there. Anyways, but so she's like, oh, I don't know if this is not my thing. I don't know, but she's got this horrible boyfriend named Tad, who's an influencer. Oh my God. Oh my God. He's hilariously awful. Yeah. Yeah. Great job by the actor, but my God, I was like, you are why people hate people and this is why where so her the and the, we don't ever want people to hate people exactly and the guy who plays um who the the guy who plays sierra Lindsay lohan's dad the hotel um you know giant or whatever he's so funny he, he's she he meets tad and um he's like so you're a salesperson and and that's the truth. Influencers yeah. are salespeople. You are they're selling you shit, and that is what they're doing. No offense if you're an influencer. Goddamn, I'm just jealous. Let's be honest. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Congrats um, on uh, having everyone's dream job. But so <laughs> so, Daddy is going away to some meeting for a couple of days, but he'll be back on Christmas Eve. And oh, I should say there might be a few spoilers because this movie is you know what's gonna happen, people. Also, I was gonna say spoilers, but no spoilers yeah. because we all we all know exactly what's gonna happen before we even joyful play. Christmas yeah. romantic comedy watching people this is what we're doing so so he goes and the dad's like okay my staff support her make her love this hotel blah 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 that day she goes on which this is makes me hate Tad as well but he's like let's she, she's like you know I don't ski and they're they're driving in a snowmobile to some remote place where to he, take photos to take yeah. photos and then he does end up asking her to marry him and then there's weather and the storm like knocks, knocks her off them. the mountain she fl- falls all the way down so does he he goes one way she goes another way and she falls all the way down into um, a lower ski resort until she basically like head crashes yeah. into a tree yeah it's crazy yeah. and our and our other uh, our main guy um his name is uh Jake Russell he's the he's the handyman in this car- in this uh story in this, yeah he he's the ranch hand except exactly. he's actually another 
like lodge owner, but a yeah. small like family owned yeah. lodge. What is it? Oh, it better not be a dead body. Stop it, you're freaking me out. Oh my God. Is it a dead body? Hey, miss, can you hear me? And he was, he's trying to sell it. At one point he was trying to sell it to the dad, Sierra's dad, but he is like, I can't do this, no. But but he, his whole thing is like, you know, and this is actually true. I think a lot of people learn on the smaller mountains. I know I did. Um, yeah, that you got to start on the small mountains. Yeah, you <laughs> learn on the smaller like resort areas or whatever. And then you move up to the bigger Aspen, Aspen or whatever because it's expensive. And so his thing is, is like, let's work together, invest in mine. Right, he, and- wants, he wants him to be like, if you invest in mine, as I help people learn to ski and love it, then uh-huh. they will obviously want to come to you. And of course, they're having some troubles down in the smaller uh, the yeah. smaller well, when you're competing with the summit uh-huh. you know the the whatever the place was called on the summit you know yes with all of the fancy schmancy folks oh okay so this is another thing that like I loved this little Easter egg um before mm-hmm. before Tad and Sierra fall down the mountain she's like singing in the car that saw Jingle Bell Rock comes on and as we all know <laughs> mean and, girls yes they all sing and, but she's singing and of course she sounds just fine um, and dickhead Tad takes her or he, he's like honey just let them talk, let them sing like you're, right. you're not a singer that is like the I just would like to say right now public service announcement never tell someone they can't sing never no, and even especially if they don't sound not good. along to the radio in the car exactly. which is literally the, like you're supposed to sing. Yeah. I have a story and I'm sure I've told you this. I know I have because it's a deep wound and I forgive Ooh. my grandma. She passed away a year or two ago, but year and a half ago. But she told me when I was little, if because I was singing with them, with them and I was little. I'm talking I was probably my daughter's age, like at nine, maybe younger. And I was singing with the radio and she's my grandma was a very sweet person if you knew her. She really, most people thought she was wonderful, but she had a bit of a mean streak and she mm-hmm. turned down the music. It was just me our, my, me and my brother and sister in the car. And she says, if you're going to sing, sing pretty. Oh. Isn't that mean? And it ruined my that life. Is mean. It ruined you my life. You have a beautiful singing voice. I love you. Thank you. And it took me years to be able to sing with my full voice because I... This is, it's so sad. I mean, it really, it really fucked me yeah. up big time. But like, I personally think singing is as close to spiritual God, whatever I, as you can get. And to take that away from me, I think was such a horrible thing to do, but I do forgive her, but still, and I'm sure she was going through something. Who the fuck knows? But like, it was just, it was really mean. But now I, I sing with all yeah. my heart and I love it. And, and you encourage your children to sing that's right. with and all their hearts? I, you know I do. <laughs> I know then, you do. And then Tad, of course, can just suck a D in this because... Yeah, that's right. Sierra can sing, guys. Anyways, we'll get to that later. But I just wanted mm-hmm. to mention that. Um, so, so yes. So, she tumbles down. She's... So, <laughs> this is a great fun trope for me, too, is... Lindsay Lohan, Sierra, has amnesia. She don't know who she is. Yeah, what this actually kind of gives you a little bit is like overboard vibes without any of the problematic parts of overboard, like enslaving a woman with amnesia and forcing her to do hard labor. I was nervous for a second. Yeah, I got a little nervous too, but they like take the concept of like a rich snooty girl who's like very pampered and she ends up in this like small, cute little place that's just lovely by the way nothing about it is bad exactly um 
but they let her try and fail at all the chores and they're like let's try something else you obviously don't know how to do this yeah and jake uh jake russell of course he he offers for her to stay because they have a bunch of cancellations at their small oh that's right yeah so she no one knows who she is she had no id on her she can't remember and she's being a little bit difficult to the doctor and the nurses and so they kind of like pawn her off i mean he offers but He's he's like, I guess you can come stay at the lodge. That's right. And then, oh, there's a whole thing where she doesn't do bacon, but she does like bacon now, which I was a little bit disgusted by because, I mean, bacon's fine, but I'm like, what if she's like a vegan in her remembering life and then she'll be so upset that she ate bacon? That's just me. Um, and then we go, we cut to Tad. So this was like uh, kind of a funny, so Tad finds himself with a dude who's in this like fishing hole. Ice fishing. Ice fishing. <laughs> Hut, yeah. Funny guy, funny actor. I enjoyed their um their banter. Their little journey was funny. Yeah, and it was a funny side story. I was peeing my pants. My where did he I I died. Adam was like Oh, he he went into the woods and he found himself a bear because there's definitely some <laughs> fun like uh, gay flirty vibes in there, and I'm like, for sure. Oh my gosh, this is is am I gonna love this movie? Um, <laughs> so uh, let's see. So she's cleaning the whole cleaning trope. We see a montage where she's like cleaning and really screwing things up, and um, then and then of course Sarah can sing even though the dick influencer boyfriend told her she couldn't. So um, let's see. She's falling for Jake. Yep, it's Christmas. Yep. And they're calling her Sarah. Yes, because, that's right. Because uh, she doesn't know her name. And one of um, Jake's daughter's toys is like, she's like, we can have one of their names. And one of their names is Sarah, which is obviously kind of conveniently close to Sierra. Yeah. So it won't be like a huge transition when she finally remembers who she is. Exactly. <laughs> and oh, mind you, uh, the Jake is a widower. Oh, yes. 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 That's yeah. Him, that, yeah. yeah. It's not a three-way thing happening. It's, it's just a, he's a widower. And then finally she can clean. She learned how to make her bed. So we get that montage of her cleaning and doing it right. What? And learning up? how to make pancakes with bacon on the side. Oh, my gosh. And then she's wrapping presents. And I love that the guy has a wrapping technique. I worked as, did you know that? I worked as a wrapping girl. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there are Props techniques. to you. Yeah. yeah, I bet. I've never quite figured them out. <laughs> I know. And well, his his whole thing is you can you can wrap a whole present with three pieces of tape. And that's true. Um, it's just hard to do. That's all. all. Right. I bet you can YouTube it, y'all. If you're I, curious. Definitely. I was like, um, or watch this movie. Let's see. I'm trying to think of any fun. Like Jake donates money all the time. He's a good guy. She- He's basically like a saint. Yeah. Um, he is about to lose the business that his now dead wife's father gifted them as a wedding present. Crazy, right? And um, he doesn't want to lose it, but also he's overwhelmed. He's his dad with a, a little girl and a failing business that means a lot yeah. to him, his family, and turns out the community. Mm-hmm. But he also manages to, in his spare time, like fix everyone's car for them and donate uh, toys for kids and donate to all the charities. And, I like, know. Just it's be, so he's, silly. You know, it's real, not real. But right. he's a lovely character. It, yeah. Exactly. Like, he's, like, if we're reading this, uh, you know, if it's a romance book, he's, like, the ideal. He's got to have a dirty secret. But we don't really I know, right? He, um, and he almost looks like he's so angelic looking yeah that, like it they picked you know obviously in these types of especially when you go like the hallmark mm-hmm, route mm-hmm. it's all desexualized right it's about yeah. love and romance but it is not about sex and this movie totally went yeah, there you're right. and they even they cast you know the, the he's he's very handsome but there's 
definitely it's like he's got an angelic baby face almost and you're like yeah i don't picture like those two getting down and dirty anytime soon in fact i was like laughing at how many times they talked about how it wasn't a good idea for them to kiss when they wanted to kiss and i'm like yeah that's so hot no it's not hot that's really that's the point it's not supposed to be hot it's supposed to be sweet and of course she helps him get uh you know money and people donate and everything's happy and fun in the end but but one thing i will say i i had moments for acting i had moments of like loving Lindsay lohan and then moments where i'm like is she does she know how she she it's like there's certain lines where it was like is she's not talking like a real human being and then right I, and there was one moment i think i remember where she's encouraging him to go up during to give a speech at some point in the movie and there was the way she like moved her body i was yeah. like oh awkward that was like i am miming what a person does and i but, but she was also had some very great moments like exactly. where i felt genuinely like she was in this character yeah. in a real way and the emotion was real and I agree. I don't know. I, I'm happy to see her back. I'm I'm happy for her. I obviously believe all people deserve second chances, yeah. and and I I hope this I hope this ends up being her big comeback. And she because she was so good, you know. Like, she was remember, so good. Remember how good she was, you guys. I do. I remember her. Uh, and I hope she doesn't only have to make holiday films with Netflix. I hope oh, she gets I'm, to make... I think they... I was talking to my husband. There's, she's doing other things. I'm not exactly sure what, but I don't think they're okay, just Okay, So it's just three different Netflix originals. Yeah, I'm right, pretty cool. sure, but I don't know for sure. But yeah, daddy comes back from his trip. He gets his daughter back. He goes to the... Sh- <laughs> he goes to the sheriff and sees shitty Tad. Tad leaves Who with has another made it? guy. Yeah, that was my question where I was like, okay, so the vibes we were getting this whole time, which we were getting even before the funny, like he found a bear in the woods, ha ha ha, it's and true. The weird and the weird like flirtiness between um, fisherman was his name like Ralph. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, it was hilarious. Um, but there was definitely vibes of like, is he gay? Right, because in the beginning when she's wearing and you know her, what, you sexuality. Know, and he's the one that freaks out about it. But sexuality, you know, is so fluid these it's days, true. you know, so like maybe it's just that he loves all the people. He wants to be loved by all the people. So maybe well, he loves true. all the people. I, 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 I but he definitely that. leaves with a dude when she breaks off yeah. their engagement. Yep. Yep. And anyways, so that's it. But it, I mean, it's a great Christmas. It's it's one I'll never forget. That's what she said. Ha 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 ha. Do you get it? Because she, she finally figures out who she is. And then she, of course, she loves the guy. And all is well. It was fun. Yeah. You guys watch it. Get yourself it's a cute. little hot toddy and, and snuggle down and watch some the Lohanasans. Lohanasans. Yeah. This definitely gave me like Hallmark movie vibes. But in a good way. And good production yeah, value. Exactly. And great production value. You know, high, high production value. <laughs> it's really scary, though. Falling down that mountain, I was like, <laughs> I've definitely been in some scary skiing situations where the weather turns. And that's it's yeah. no, no joke at all. No, it's not. I've been watching that. I told you all a couple episodes ago, I've been watching that I Survived show. Oh, yeah. And like there's a few avalanche instances. Oh, oh, and there's also a documentary that came out about an avalanche that happened in um, like near Lake Tahoe in the eighties in California oh. where like after one, Oh, there's only one survivor that got actually buried, but she wasn't found for like five days. And Holy when they found shit. her, she was, she was alive. <gasps> oh my gosh. And it was a, it's a cool documentary. I can't remember where or why or how I ended up watching it. Well, I know my husband was involved. I know that was a him pick. Oh yeah. 
I wish you like a natural disaster. I do too. I, I was just thinking about this from our last episode. I really, really wish that Mallory would have been found alive. I mean, I don't know how, I know. how she would have, but you know. No, it's, it's really true. It's one of those things that, I mean, yeah, we can start our move. Oh, yeah. well, the, the tie-in that I'm going to say, which is really more of something I would usually say at the end, but since we already knew I was going to do this, Vanya just got to pick a movie to try to yeah. try. So we got, so I wish that almost 100 years ago, one of these Murdaws had smashed his head falling down a mountain and forgotten who he was <laughs> and prevented all of this from ever happening. That's my Christmas right. wish. He had, he, he had some sort of life-changing... Um, amnesia event and where then, he learned about how wonderful it was to like be a good person yep. and a kind person and a helpful person. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's, that's my tie-in. If only... There had been a little Sierra moment for the yeah. original Randolph Murdaugh. All right. So are we ready for part Let's two, Vanya? Let's do it. I'm dying. Strap Please. in, you guys, because we got a lot to go over and it is crazy from start to finish. Okay. So part two. Tragedy once again has struck the Murdaugh family. In June of 2021, Maggie and Paul Murdaugh were murdered execution style in their hunting lodge. And then just a few months later, on September 14th, 2021, someone shot Alex Murdaugh in the head while he was changing a tire on the side of the road in the middle of the day. Crazy. Now, miraculously, after being shot, Alex was actually able to call 911 himself. <gasps> the wound was a through and through. So it, the bullet had actually like entered his head and exited his head and somehow had missed any kind of like vital. What? Or, yeah. So he's able to call the hospital or 911 ambulance gets him. He is taken to the hospital, obviously, with a gunshot wound to the head. He has a small brain, brain bleed. Um, and when asked if he could describe the man who shot him, he says he can. He tells them that he was a, a white fella, quite a bit younger than him, with super, 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 super short hair. Sorry, that was a terrible Southern accent slash slash impersonation of Alex Murdaugh. So it's clear to police at this point that somebody has a grudge against the Murdaugh family. But the list of people with potential grudges is like five counties long. Um, All of the people the Murdaughs have prosecuted over the years and put in jail, the friends and family of Mallory Beach. In fact, every single person who was on that boat had to be interviewed and ruled out in the murders of Paul and Maggie. And they all were interviewed and ruled out. Uh, and so since it wasn't any of the the people involved with Mallory or her family and friends, they decided to broaden the search because, you guys, as it turns out, Mallory wasn't the only teenager in Hampton County whose death was linked to the Murdoch family. Oh, oh. Okay, strap in. <laughs> On July 8th, 2015, a trucker called 911 to report a body lying in the middle of Sandy Run Road. Lieutenant Thomas Moore of the South Carolina Highway Patrol got the call and he responded to the scene. When he arrived, he was surprised to find that the state police and coroner's office from Hampton County were already present since highway patrol typically responds to accidents on highways. Um, as Lieutenant Moore begins to survey the scene, to him, it is really clear that the young man lying in the road was not the victim of a hit and run. There was no glass or car parts on the road. The victim's body was in a position that looked more like he had been dumped in the middle of the road. Uh, his cell phone was unbroken and in his pocket 
which doesn't make any sense if he'd been hit at by a vehicle going at a high speed. Also, both his shoes were on, and according to Lieutenant Moore, he had never seen a hit and run hit. Sorry, a hit and run victim who hadn't actually been physically launched out of their shoes when they were struck. No like, way. That's like apparently a thing that is very common, huh. or at least one of your shoes. Um, also, it seemed that all of the injury was only to the head, right? So if you're hit, one, if you're hit by a car, obviously your body is going to get propelled and there would be blood in multiple areas like along the road from like where maybe you bounced or where, you know, from where you started to where you ended up. All of the blood was in a very specific localized place coming from a head wound with just a few scratches on this kid's arms. And so the highway patrol is like, I don't think, I think we're dealing with a murder, not a hit and run. Um, and when he points this out to the state police and the coroner, uh, they strongly disagree. And when asked why, they simply said, because his body was in the middle of the road. That's their reasoning for like, we know it's a hit and run because his body was in the road. Mm. Um, the coroner then wrote up her report stating the cause of death was, de- you know, was being struck by a vehicle. Okay. At 7 a.m., Stephanie Smith was driving her dad to work when they came upon a bunch of police vehicles blocking Sandy Run Road. So they had to turn around and drive another way to, you know, get him to work. But after dropping her dad off, Stephanie, and she's real cute in the documentary, she's like, you know, it's a small town. There's not a lot to do. We're nosy. She's like, I'm going to go back the same way and see if I can't find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, But when she arrives back um, at the Sandy Run Road, it's still completely cordoned off, and she's forced to find an alternate route home. So she calls her mom. I love the small townness of this until until it turns sad, obviously. But she calls her mom to be like, "Have you heard anything about what's going on?" And her mom said that she heard that someone had dumped a body in the road. <gasps> then Stephanie asked her mom Sandy if she had spoken to her twin brother Stephen that morning because he had not come home the night before. He'd gone out at 6 p.m. the night before and his twin sister Stephanie had noticed he hadn't come home and she was wondering if Sandy had spoken to him. And the moment that Sandy hears that Stephen didn't come home the night before, she knows. She knows that that her boy is the body in the middle of the road. Now, it's so sad at around 8 a.m. Joel, who is Stephen's dad, was called down to the sheriff's station. Obviously, they had let them know. Who, that they had found their son, Stephen, and he's going down to talk to police. And while Joel is talking with police um, at the Smith family home, they get a, the phone call comes through from Randy, you guessed it, Murdaugh. Now, Randy is Alex Murdaugh's brother, and he was currently helping Joel with like an insurance claim thing, because remember, they're, they're the, they have the personal injury lawyer firm as well as being the DA for a century, right. his family. Um, so... Randy Murdoch calls Sandy Smith at, at, at her home asking to speak with Joel when she says he's not there. He basically says, well, I just wanted to tell you that I would like to offer my investigative services into like what happened to your son in terms of like what kind of insurance and all that stuff. And I'll do it pro bono. Like I'll totally I'd love to help you for free to investigate, you know, the death of your son. Now, um, he then tell Sandy that all he's going to need to do that is to collect all of Stephen's electronics. He needs his phone, his computer, and he's going to need all his passwords. But that's all he'll need, and he'll get into it. And um, immediately, like in her mind, Sandy's like, "What the what the actual fuck? Why is this man calling me? Mm-hmm. Why is he offering to help me? Why is he asking me to give him all my son's electronics?" So she declines his offer. 
Because she's like, um, we only found out that our son was killed an hour ago. How does this guy even know? Like, the police just told us. Why does this this lawyer know about this? Extremely fishy. It went extremely, extremely fishy. So she, again, yeah, she says, no, thank you. <laughs> and around 1130 that morning, and this is so sad, she's driving to a funeral home so she can pick out a casket for her son, who she only found out hours before was dead. And as she's on her way to the funeral home, she drives, she has to drive past where her son had been found. And she notices, this is 11.30 a.m., the same morning he was found, you guys. She notices that both Randy and Alex Murdaugh were there at the scene taking photos and like talking to the police. And there's literally no reason for these two people to be there. They, This is not their family member. They're not cops or investigators. They're lawyers. And um, she knows now, with without a shadow of a doubt, that somehow the Murdaughs are involved in what happened to her son. So Stephen Smith, let's talk about Stephen. He was a fiercely smart, fabulous young man. From an early age, Sandy and Joel knew that their outgoing theatrical boy was most likely gay, and they did not give it, they didn't care a wink. They loved their son. But in the South, and especially in small rural communities, home, not even just there, guys, basically everywhere still, homophobia exists. It's not gone. It hasn't been eradicated. And in these smaller towns, um, in certain cases, it, it, it runs rampant. And they were worried for his safety. But Stephen was proud of who he was. And he wasn't afraid to be honest about himself. And he helped his other, uh, his like all of his friends and other kids to embrace their glorious weirdness and to be proud of who they were. Now, Stephen's twin sister, Stephanie, was kind of the shy one. But Stephen loved being the center of attention. There's a, a friend of his in the documentary. Her name, I believe, is, if I'm remembering correctly, is Passion Mixon. And I was like, what a name, lady. And she describes, you know, how in every high school there's like the popular kids and then like the odd, the oddballs, the odd ones out. And she said that that they, meaning her and Steven and all of their friends, they were the odd, they were the odd ones out. Um and Steven was the leader of their proud little tribe. So popularity at Wade High School basically came down to what your last name was. So if you were from a family with money, you were popular. And if you were from a family with no money, you were not popular. And in Hampton County, as I mentioned in part one, there really are only two groups of people who live in this area. Those who have it all and those who do not have it all. Um, And by that, I mean who don't have much at all. Uh, But Stephen kind of seemed to know something that the rest of the kids didn't really grasp. He knew that that this was temporary. This place, this circumstance, this didn't have to be there forever. And he had big plans. He was going to go to nursing school and eventually get into medical school because his dream was to become a doctor who then traveled abroad to impoverished countries to provide health care to children with no access to it. Oh That's what God. he wanted to do with his life. And Sandy knew for, well, like with, for a fact that he would do it because when he put his mind to something, he did it. And he he was the kind of kid that like, if he said he was going to do something, he worked until he made it happen. Oh, it just makes my, that's okay. So now the Hampton County Sheriff's Department um, and coroner's office, they're quick to call this case a hit and run. And like, no need to investigate cause of death. It was a hit and run. Um, but the highway patrol, 
were like, nah, just yet, y'all. Uh, we're going to continue to look into this because technically they were the ones called to the scene and they're allowed to investigate accidents or incidences that take place on these these types of highways. And so they're not ready to just be like, okay, we'll call it a hit and run when it very clearly wasn't. So aside from there being an absence of any evidence to support the claim he had been struck by a car, you know, like glass in the road or glass on the body, parts of a car, paint transfer, anything that you see in a anytime a pedestrian is struck by a car, even though none of that exists. There's also some other really like alarming evidence to suggest foul play here. So Stephen's car was found three miles from where his body was found. And the car was pulled off on the side of the road. It was uh, turned off. And weirdly, the gas tank had been open and the gas cap was unscrewed and like hanging out of the gas tank. Now, the sheriff's department says that that evidence just backs up their theory that clearly Stephen ran out of gas and uh. went to either walk home or to the gas station um, and was hit by a car. But Highway Patrol is like, nah, nah, nah. If it's true that he uh, ran out of gas, why didn't he just call someone to come and get him? Because as I mentioned, his fully working, not broken phone was in his pocket when they found him. And his sister even said, like, I've had to pick him up, you know, millions of times for like little reasons, like his car not working or some various. Like He would have called me. Yeah. Um, more so if he was going to buy gas. Why had he left his wallet in the car? Why had he left his wallet in the car at all, even if he was just going for a walk? Uh, and so sorry. I lost, I've typed this out last night and I was like, I should have done a read through. <laughs> all right. So this kind of, the, the wallet in the car, the strange way, like the gas, like what are you going to do? Peer in to see if your gas is empty? Like no one's going to look in their gas tank. Like, you know, because the dashboard tells you and your car won't go. So yeah. that seemed to them, it seemed like a very staged scene. Mm -hmm. Like we will indicate he ran out of gas by doing this, you know, to the, to these investigators. And so, Convinced that this is a homicide, Highway Patrol, they start trying to conduct interviews with people around the community. Now, many people seem unwilling to speak to them at all or just too busy or just won't answer the door or phone. And then several people will only speak to them if they are promised that their names will never be mentioned and that they ever spoke to the investigators. Now, the name Murdaugh. Like, was no stranger to these investigators from this area. Obviously, as I've mentioned, this is a very prominent family in the area. And so it's not like they didn't know who the Murdaws were, but they were not people who, like, lived, I guess, in this specific five-county area. So they knew the name, but they were like, what the hell's going on? So they keep, they're very persistent. And in the documentary, they show, like, every time they made a phone call, it was being recorded. And the number of people that just hung up on them as soon as they said who they were, the number of people that are like, can't talk to you, or he's not home. Um... But they were able to get people talking. You know, some people did agree to speak to them under the idea of, like, being kept anonymous. And from the people they were able to speak to, more than two dozen people said, and this is all hearsay. This is just whispers and rumors in the town talking about what, do you, what happened to him and, like, people saying, oh, this is what happened. But over two dozen people stated that Buster Murdaugh had killed Stephen. <gasps> Now, Buster, just so you know, because everyone has the same name in this right. family, Buster is Paul. So Paul is the 22-year-old who was murdered right, um, alongside his mother, Maggie. 
in 2021. Buster is his older brother. Oh, okay. I was thinking the grandpa. Exactly. I just didn't want people to be confused. So he has the same name as his as the grandpa. They all have the same name, basically. Gotcha. You know, it is what it is. Uh, but bu- so the rumor basically is that it was Buster Murdaugh who killed Stephen. And then the story varied uh, from person to person because it was all hearsay. But essentially, the story that was going around was that Buster and some pals and maybe his younger brother, Paul, were driving down Sandy Run Road uh, when they spotted... Stephen walking which then again there's like there's some stuff that I'm I like a little bit like oh I have so many more questions mm-hmm. because I thought the idea was he didn't walk but anyway when they spotted him they turned the car around and either struck him with a baseball bat they were holding out the window as they drove by which if you can imagine if you're driving at a high speed and you hit someone with a bat out of the car window. It would kill them. Basically, the velocity is the, the car's velocity, and it would kill them. So that was one story going around. And then another one was same thing. They drove past him. They turned around. They got out of the car. And somehow some kind of altercation ensued. And Buster hit Stephen in the head with a baseball bat. Now, the blunt force trauma to Stephen's head is consistent with a bat or another like, like-sized object. But Buster, you guys, was the opposite of his brother Paul. Like, he was quiet and studious. And even though it was clear that he was privileged, he didn't come across as like a, I am privileged and I deserve it and I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. He was like a studious, quiet, kind of shy guy. He was never a bully like his baby brother, Paul. So why would he kill Stephen? Like, what would be his motivation to like kill someone with a bat? Right. So in the two weeks before his murder, Stephanie, which is Stephen's sister, told investigators that he had been acting kind of secretive, which wasn't like him. As I mentioned, he was a very outgoing, like outspoken, you know, loved to be the center of attention guy, but she could tell he was like keeping secrets. He also had mentioned to his mother in the weeks leading up to his death that he was going to go on a deep sea fishing trip with a prominent member of the community, but he never told her who it was. And he was killed before that trip was scheduled to happen. Hmm. His cousin, who is... She's wonderfully sassy in the documentary. She told investigators that Stephen told her that she had that he had been secretly hooking up with another guy from Hampton County, an important guy. And if anyone ever found out who it was, the whole town would be shook. Those were her words or his words told to her. So Stephen's family believes that this secret guy was Buster Murdaugh. But with all the evidence basically being hearsay and rumors and many other people who maybe do actually know something unwilling to speak with them, or sorry, I read that wrong. And with many of the people who had been willing to speak with them suddenly leaving town, when they would go back to like re-interview people who had agreed, many of them had uh, gone away on vacation or relocated. And basically they're suggesting in the documentary that they were like paid to get out of town until this whole thing blowed over by the Murdoch family. But... Because everything is hearsay, they can't get people to confirm anything. Highway Patrol investigators' hands are tied because you can't make somebody come in and talk to you when you have no evidence technically linking them other than rumors. So Buster is never interviewed in connection to this case. And uh, it it was noticed by those that do believe he was involved, like Stephen's family, that after Stephen had been found, Buster kind of seemed to disappear. Like, he went and traveled abroad before returning to college, which was in South Carolina, but not in the same area. He stopped being active on social media, and he never returned back to Hampton County after Stephen died. And that's 2015. 
But here's something that I think is even more telling. In fact, I think it's incredibly telling that the Murdaughs were involved in some way in what happened to Stephen Smith. Because on June 22nd, 2021, while police were actively investigating the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdaugh, so that's 15 days, you guys, after the murders took place and while they're still actively investigating it, that the Hampton County Sheriff's Department reopened Stephen Smith's case. So they had closed it as like a a hit and run. That was a cause of death. They obviously had never found out who did it, but they reopened his case 15 days after the murders. And while they have never given publicly given any reason for reopening his case, it seems likely that something that turned up while going through the Murdaugh's home, including their phones and computers, provided new information into what happened to Stephen Smith. And so hopefully we will get answers in Stephen's case. And tragically, three months after his passing, Stephen's father, Joel, died of a heart attack in his sleep. And Sandy believes that he died of a broken heart over losing his boy. That can happen. It can happen. And the day before he died, Joel did tell a friend of his, a good friend, that he knew that the Murdaughs had killed his boy and that they had done it because he was gay. Uh So that it it was a hate crime. And currently, there have still been no arrests in the murder of Stephen Smith. So as police are investigating the murders of Maggie and Paul and now reopening the most likely, let's say, no, the murder of Stephen Smith, not a hit and run, um, they start wondering, could it have been somebody connected to Stephen's family that then wanted to take, was targeting the Murdoch family and wanted to take revenge? It turns out, no, you guys, no, no, it was not. Because uh, after Alex Murdaugh was shot in the head on the side of the road that sunny afternoon and police began to investigate, what they found was that Alex's uh, tire had been slashed. So that's why he had had to get out and change his tire. And uh, it looked, you know, like intentional sabotage, like someone had slashed his tire. So he'd have to pull over and get out of his car and then he'd be sitting duck to shoot, right? Uh, It was supposed to look that way. It was set up to look that way because shortly after uh, being shot, police arrested 61-year-old long-haired Curtis Smith, who was an old Murdaugh family friend. And he was arrested along with Alex Murdaugh for conspiring to uh, commit insurance fraud. (gasps) He had hired his friend to shoot him so that Buster could collect the $10 million life insurance policy because Alex thought if he committed suicide that they wouldn't give, like, the claim wouldn't pay out and his son wouldn't get any money. So, so, he, so he hired his friend to shoot him. But he was to get insurance to die. Well, here's the deal, guys. Uh, in Low Country, when these people shoot, and they say this broad, it covers all people, they don't miss. So they actually, no one in Hampton County believes that Alex was planning on dying that day. Uh, But if getting this insurance money was not why this happened, what the actual fuck is going on? Weird. Okay. Right? It's nuts. Everyone's like, if Curtis had was supposed to shoot him in the head and kill him, he'd have shot him in the head and killed him. Yeah. I just love that. Like, no one uh, in low country, when we shoot something, we don't miss. I was like, (laughs) I'm obsessed. Okay. So after police arrest both Curtis Smith and Alex Murdoch for insurance fraud, Alex's lawyers release a statement on his behalf, 
saying that the murder of his wife and son had taken a uh, 20-year addiction to opioids, like a previously existing 20-year addiction to opioids to an extreme level. He wasn't dealing well. He had already had an opioid addiction and it had gotten, it had spiraled in the months after the murder of his wife and son. And he just didn't, so they're sticking with the suicide. He just didn't feel like he could go on, that he wanted his son to get the life insurance. They say, um, they tell everyone that he has resigned from his law firm, PMPED, and will head to rehab immediately following his release from the hospital. Now, no one close to Alex, any all of the friends they interviewed, no one was aware of his opioid addiction. But that does not mean that he didn't have one. And we all know that to be true. Just because you don't know somebody has a drug problem doesn't mean they don't, you know. Right. Um, Alex enters rehab, but the media circus surrounding this case, it continues to grow. Because, I mean, let's talk this out. We have two members of a prominent family in South Carolina murdered in their home. Then we have, at first, what we think is an attempt on the life of another member of this family, only to find out that he had actually paid the guy to shoot him. So weird. Obviously, this is not just getting coverage in South Carolina, you guys. This shit's all up on CNN and Mm -hmm. Fox and ABC and all the things. Um, So, so sorry, I lost my place because I didn't write that part. Sometimes I just riff, you know, and then I'm like, (laughs) oh, I should keep a finger. I keep a finger on the page. Okay. Um, so again, Alex has enters rehab, media circus growing. Who killed Maggie and Paul? It's been no it's been months. No suspects have been arrested. Police have, however, publicly claimed that there is no threat to the public, uh, which would suggest that they know who killed them. Right. Right. Like if there's no threat to the public, that must mean you have some idea of who murdered these two. Yeah. Otherwise, even why if you're are still you trying it? to, even if you're still trying to find evidence to like prove it, but also no, like if you can state publicly that there's no danger to anyone in the community, you got to know something, right? Um, but they, but they, uh, they have never even named a person of interest in the case at this point. So while they're telling the community there's no threat to your safety, they've never named a suspect or even a person of interest. And uh, I'm so sorry. I keep losing my spot. Stop going off script, Avrin. Do it. Go off script. Get crazy. No, I mean, I need need the script. I need it. Okay. Where did I go? Okay. I found it. Sorry. Just um, sorry. I'm just so sorry. All right. So then, you guys, out of seemingly nowhere, while leaving a rehab facility in Florida, Alex is arrested for misappropriation of funds. Now, death seems to follow Alex everywhere, and it was the death of his family's longtime housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, back in 2018 that led to this current arrest outside of the rehab facility. So here we go again. On February 26, 2018, Maggie Murdoch called 911 requesting an ambulance for her housekeeper, Gloria. When asked by the dispatcher what was wrong, she told them that she had fallen down the stairs and was bleeding from a head wound. At one point, even Paul gets on with 911 and again tells them they need to send an ambulance. The dispatcher asks him if Gloria, the housekeeper, is able to speak. And he says, no, she's bleeding from her head and out of her left ear. Now, upon hearing that she is bleeding out of her left ear... The dispatcher asks Paul if he knows if she's had a stroke recently, to which Paul interrupts this 
this woman on the 911 dispatcher and says, why are you asking all these questions? Just just send someone. Like, it's really annoyed. He's like, stop asking me questions. Just get an ambulance here. Zero concern in the voice either. Paramedics arrive. But unfortunately, Gloria, who had worked for the Murdaws as a housekeeper and a nanny for over 20 years, died from the injuries. Oh, my God. Yeah. After her death, the Murdaws said that the family dog had jumped up on her and knocked her down the stairs. Although it bears mentioning that not once in the 911 call is a dog mentioned. They don't say like, oh, my God, my dog just knocked the... The housekeeper down the stairs or she just tripped over the, the dog is never mentioned once on the 911 call. She just fell down the stairs. So at Gloria's funeral, Alex approached her two sons to obviously offer his condolences. He also tells them that he has insurance on his home that includes liabilities for any kind of accidents that happen in the house. And so uh, he he's like, I can make sure you guys get taken care of. He tells them to go see a lawyer Corey Fleming, and he will help them file a claim so that they can receive the insurance payout. Now, if you recall, Corey Fleming is also um, the lawyer that Alex recommended to Connor Cook's family from the last episode, who happens to be um, his former college roommate, best friend, and oldest son, Buster's godfather. (laughs) So that's the lawyer he tells the the two sons of Gloria to go see to make sure that that he files a claim for them and they'll they'll get some money. So while... Gloria's death is officially ruled an accident. Many people in the community, they think Paul is responsible. And this is even, this is before, this is 2018. This is before the boating accident that killed Mallory Beach. But the community is whispering because they're like, there's no way she just fell down. Like the dog pushed her down the stairs or she tripped on a dog and fell down the stairs. They were like, maybe Paul did it. Because she'd worked in this house for 20 years. She was there every day. The dogs knew her. She knew the dogs. It's not like they would have been like, you know, strange That's lady weird, and like yeah. jumped up. They're big. They are big hunting dogs. But like they 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 feel it's unlikely that the dog is the cause of her fall. And they're wondering if maybe she had like found something while cleaning the house, like maybe a bunch of drugs in Paul's mm. room. And she told him she was going to tell his daddy. And then he like pushed her, or tripped her down the stairs, uh, which is horrific Awful. if that's true. Now, all of that is gossip and rumors. Uh, But it is what immediately everyone in town thinks, which I think is quite telling. So in the weeks following her funeral, Gloria's children go see Corey and he files the insurance claim for them. Now, everybody strap in and follow along because there's going to be lots of names and things. And it's related to financial crimes that I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about. So I don't have any other better way to explain some of this. But basically, here's what happens. He fi- so Corey files the insurance claim on behalf of Gloria's sons. The total sum of the payout, you guys, it's insane because he not only had liability insurance, but he had some kind of umbrella. I don't even know what that means. Umbrella insurance mm-hmm. on the house. So this claim, this payout for this incident happening in the home is $4.3 million. Wow. That's the payout. So Corey then sends the check from the insurance company to forge f-o-r-g-e now forge consulting llc is a legitimate settlement funding company but Corey sent the money to forge which turns out to just be alex murdaugh himself who had opened up a personal bank account at palmetto bank that was an account for randolph alexander murdaugh doing business as forge and then he took that three million dollars meant for his housekeeper's children and he put it into his personal account 
he stole it. What an asshole. Yeah. So this is a very calculated and planned theft from the young men who tragically lost their mother. And Alex is able to do it because he is a member of what they call in the low country, the good old boys, um, who are described as a group of privileged white people who scratch each other's backs. So the way this all worked was Alex sends Gloria's sons to Corey, who will get a percentage of the insurance payout as their lawyer. That's how that works. He then sends the money to Forge, which is not a consulting firm, but just Alex Murdoch himself. And Alex is able to even set up this kind of a business account that will out of nowhere have millions of dollars appear in it because he is best buddies with a man named Russell Lafitte, a member of another prominent Hampton County family who happens to own Palmetto Bank. So does that make sense? Mm. He's best friends with the guy who owns the bank, meaning no one is asking him any questions or expecting any oversight when he opens up this bank account meant to steal money from these children who lost their mother. And his friend Corey gets a kickback and everybody gets a little something, something. They're just helping each other out. And it is sick and greedy and made even worse when you really think about it and you realize that this is an already really super wealthy rich man stealing from the the unwealthy in fact quite poor children of a woman who worked for his family for 20 years for shame like tucked his children in bed at night because she was the nanny too when they needed someone to watch after them it's it's the cruelest most this man is horrible okay Sorry, I got real mad. But, but I it's am just with so, you. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like this guy is just a, a like the piece of shit on a bo- the bottom of people's shoes. All right. So it was a civil lawsuit, in fact, that Gloria's sons brought against Alex Murdaugh when they never received a payout that led to this arrest outside of the rehab. So, of course, news of his arrest makes national news. And those investigate him after learning what he had done. They highly doubt that this is the first time he's committed a crime like this. Like, you don't decide one day to commit a crime and take that kind of amount from someone, $4.3 million, and in such, like, a very clearly thought-out way. So they're like, I'm guessing he's probably uh, done this type of thing right, before. Right, right. And uh, sure enough, as they continue to investigate him, they discover that Alex has been stealing from his underprivileged clients for over 10 years. 12 charges turn into 25 charges and then 50 until Alex is, is facing 75 counts of fraud, theft, uh, embezzlement, misappropriation, which, if convicted, would be over 150 years in jail just for the sheer number of charges. Wow. He stole millions and millions of dollars. But even though he's super rich and his family is clearly, you know, of upper society in the low country, it according to experts and locals, would be next to impossible to spend all of that money, no matter how many opioids he was buying. Right. So where'd the money go? Because here's the thing. They can see he stole it, but as they're investigating him, his account is in the negative. Like, he, they can't get the money back for these people. So spec- speculation begins to to grow. Like, did he blow it all on gambling? Was he being blackmailed? Mm. Did he secretly travel to extravagant places and no one knew about it? But only Alex knows where the money is and if it's gone, what it was used for. But he is saying that he never did these things. So, of course, he has no answers to those questions. Now, in the midst of all this scandal, so we started out everyone feeling real bad for this guy. You know, his wife and son were murdered and then they thought, 
that someone had tried to murder him, mm-hmm. but then it turns out he had actually tried to murder himself, and now he's stealing from poor people from the community for decade for a decade. So people are now uh, they're starting to gossip a little bit more, and there are rumors about the state of his marriage to Maggie before she died that people start talking about. So at the time of her death. Maggie was living at the family's beach house and not at their main home where Alex and and Paul were living. She was living at a beach house. Now, Alex's defense attorneys insist that the couple was very happy, very much in love with the time of her death, but that after the boating accident and the attitude of the community towards her family, Maggie was uncomfortable remaining in Hampton County, and that was why she was staying at the beach house. Okay. Um, which I suppose is is fair. Now, friends that they interviewed say that the couple definitely loved each other, but were they in love? Who knows? Mm. They were definitely in love with their rich, uh, you know, rich and powerful lifestyle, but each other, who knows? Rumors start spreading that Maggie had actually been looking into getting a divorce lawyer. But here's something, guys. Now, if you uh, want to get a divorce, well, you're going to get a lawyer so that he can look, he or she can look into your soon-to-be ex-spouse's finances to find out what you're going to be walking away with. And this will require a financial audit. If Maggie was, in fact, going to divorce Alex, this financial audit would most certainly have revealed all the money he had been embezzling from his clients and land him in jail. So now it seems we may have a motive for the murder of Maggie Murdaugh. In the months following the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdaugh, police uh, shared nothing of their investigation with the public other than the announcement that there was no threat to the public. But they also said at that time that they weren't seeking specific suspects, which I don't even understand. Like, what do you mean? Are you not seeking the murderer? Right. But I guess maybe specific. We don't know specifically who we're seeking, uh, but there's no threat to the public. Uh, so obviously, you guys, in you're, you're true crime peeps. We're here. We're at Rom Crime. We like true crime. Um, anytime people are murdered you know especially with like a woman you look to the husband always also so you always got to check out the spouse also the person who discovers the body is always a person of interest at the beginning of an investigation um and you know alex was questioned because he was both those things and this is what he describes the hours leading up to when he found his wife and son so at 6 30 p.m the day of the murders alex said that maggie paul and himself had dinner After dinner, Maggie took the dogs down to the hunting lodge to run them. They had like a dog kennel down there. So she took the dogs down to run them. Paul also left the house, but Alex is not certain of where he went. I guess Paul was not one to just sit around at home. He was always out and about, but Alex doesn't know where he went, but he left after dinner as well. Alex then laid down on the couch to watch TV and he fell asleep. Uh, He woke up around 9 p.m. and decided that he wanted to go check on his mother. So he called Maggie and got no answer. Then he called Paul, and again, no answer. So he texted Maggie that he would be back shortly, and he hopped in his car and drove the 20 minutes to his mother's home. He had to call his mom's nurse's aide to uh, let him in, like to open the gate or whatever. Um, And he went in and visited his mother. Now, it should be noted that Alex's mother has dementia and a pretty severe case of it. So when he's visiting her, they sit together for 20 minutes. This is all according to him, watching a game show before he then heads back home. And it is, uh, oh, sorry. So when he gets home, he notices that the house is still completely dark and locked up, meaning no one has returned since he left. 
So he just goes and hops back in his car and he drives down to the hunting lodge. And that is where he finds Maggie and Paul. Now, he admits to touching both of them to check to see if they were alive, which I think makes perfect sense. You see the body of your child or your wife on the ground. You're going to touch them, probably even turn, you know, if they're face down, turn them over, try to see if they're okay. Um, So he says that he did, in fact, touch both of them to see if they were living uh, before calling 911. And that's his story. And he's sticking to it. But here's a few questions that do need to be answered. If Maggie wasn't living with Alex, which is established fact, not rumor, why was she having dinner at the home she no longer lived in? Right. Now, Paul and Maggie are both dead, so neither of them can confirm or deny that this dinner ever even happened. Additionally, a friend of Maggie's had received a text from Maggie the day of her death telling her that Alex had asked her to come over and that she thought he might be up to something. Alex's only alibi witness is his mother, who has dementia. No other person was physically present while he visited his mother, meaning no other person actually saw him but his mom. Many people in Hampton County always believed that whoever killed Maggie and Paul, if it wasn't Alex, were definitely members of, like, within the Murdoch family because nobody in Hampton County would dare murder a Murdoch. Yeah. Like... That would be suicide. Um, and so many people actually within the small town always thought that it was an inside job. Most of them figured most likely that Alex had hired like a hitman, kind of like he did it for himself. Right. Um, and then on July 14th, 2022, 13 months after the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch, Alex Murdaugh was charged with murdering both of them. He was not charged with conspiracy to commit murder, which would be the hitman route. No, he was charged with murder, meaning he himself is being charged with murdering both of his his wife and his son. What? Because blood splatter evidence found on the clothes Alex was wearing forensically tie him to the crime scene and is according to the prosecution proof that he was not only there at the time they were shot but that it was him that pulled the trigger dang now I think the biggest question here I mean there's so many questions but I think an important question here is if police had this evidence and sat on it for 13 months why is it that the Murdaugh's uh, got the police to keep this information quiet while trying to figure out a way to get Alex off the hook in spite of the evidence? We don't know. But for almost 100 years, the Murdaugh's were the law in Hampton County. And it took just 13 months for what took a century to build to com- crumble to the ground completely because of greed and the belief that they were above the law. In just 13 months, you guys, this family that had run this area, controlled this area, were so powerful, the most powerful in this area for almost 100 years, it all fell apart in the span of a year. Good. Now, yep. Now, Corey Fleming and Russell Lafitte, you remember them. They're the good old boys who scratched uh, Alex's back. They each face over 20 charges tied to Alex Murdaugh in a series of financial crimes. Both maintain they are innocents. Uh, both maintain they are innocent, and they are currently awaiting trial. Alex Murdaugh 
has been charged with over 90 counts of criminal activity, including the murders of his wife and son. Now, on May 27th of 2022, Alex did admit guilt to stealing $4.3 million from the children of his housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. He admitted he did that. But he maintains his innocence on all other charges. And he, too, is currently awaiting trial that should begin in early 2023. And we will most definitely be circling back to this when we see how this all concludes or if any more crazy shit comes out. So wild. I'm like, and that, how could you feel? That is, Ugh. I know. And also, like, it's, I really highly recommend checking the documentary out, you guys. One, obviously, visuals are helpful and to get a sense of, I think, sometimes seeing people, because again, yeah. this is very modern. This happened like last year. Yeah. Well, July um, was so not that, that long ago. Yeah. Like, the technology is, is the technology we all know, you know? And so, like, there's a lot of, of actual footage of these people of certain moments, you know, and it's, I think it's easier to get a read when you can really see in someone's eyes. And if the eyes are the window to the soul, because uh, that Alex Murdoch has like about the blackest, most dead eyes I've ever seen. Yeah, I even said something right away because they're showing photos of the families like in the opening. And I was like, does that guy have like black eyes and maybe black teeth? Eek. (laughs) Because there was like some weird shadow thing, I think, around his lips. But anyway, Mm -hmm. beside the point, this is obviously an ongoing case. Nobody has been convicted of the murders of uh, Paul or Maggie Murda. Nobody has been charged even with the murder of Stephen Smith. I don't believe any of his clients, as I mentioned, they, they can't find the money. They can find they can see that he's taken it, but it's not in his bank account. It's probably an offshore uh, account of some kind. That's most likely true. Yeah. But it's it's just definitely it's an ongoing saga. And I don't obviously the death of of the Murdaws is tra- it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's, tra- it's sad. And I don't believe anybody deserves that for, you know, nobody ever deserves that, especially at the hands of their father or husband. Um, but no matter what had been done you know, in their lifetime, like nobody deserves to be executed by their parent or their spouse. And I just, it's such a tragedy. And I don't think anybody, oh, they even say it in the documentary. Nobody is happy that this happened to them. Right. They said, you know, nobody's like, yeah, they got theirs. You know, like maybe they would have if it hadn't all turned out to be so tragic. Uh, But I think that they, they, the people who are making the documentary say that they they believe that even though they're not happy it happened, the residents of Low Country are are grateful that the Murdaws will no longer be in power. I'm sure, in the in the place where they live. Wow. And so I do I do promise as as there are updates, you know I'll I'll totally let you guys know. Great. Yeah. I will be keeping my eyes, but I think it's early 2023. I googled it yesterday when uh just to be like what's happening and. I saw that they are like presenting and they, they're saying Alex has a new alibi witness. So that'll be introduced into evidence. We'll see what it is. Uh, yeah. Is this one, this was one that like my mouth was just kind of hanging open the whole mm. time I watched it and it's three parts, right? So you think like, okay, that's enough. That's, I watched a pretty long little episode there. I watched all three in a row wow. and then went back and watched it again when I decided I was going to do it for this. That's great. Because it's just, 
it's a truly crazy story. Well, listen, so many twists and turns. As you guys are um, wrapping your gifts with only three pieces of tape, you can put on this <laughs> documentary right. and, uh, you know, just enjoy yourself. Um, I still recommend Falling for Christmas if you like a Christmas rom-com. It yes. was really fun. And I can't wait to dive into uh, into uh, the Murdoch. What is it called? What's the actual? So the actual documentary on HBO Max is called Low Country, The Murdoch Dynasty. Okay. Yeah. We're on it. And it is, it is streaming now so it can be watched if you have access to hbo max and i do really recommend it it is a truly fascinating and horrific story about the dangers of greed and power yeah gosh well thank you for uh giving us that avrin and of thank course. you to our rom criminals um listening out there and uh That's right maybe we'll, we'll try be- and do a little rom crime cocktail time before the Either holiday. before the holidays or at, we'll, or, you know, we'll get in there. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll get one in there. Either a Christmas cocktail or a New Year's cocktail. I think that cocktail. sounds fun. All right. But we love you all. We wish you the happiest of holidays. And we will see you next, next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Wrong crime. Thank you for listening to Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and Crimey. You can also follow us on Instagram at RomCrime or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.